some of you already know I had some mouth surgery this week. And the day that they did it on, Tuesday, on Monday is when I had all the pain medication I was supposed to have. And, I mean, I took it. They told me to, and I didn't want to hurt, so I took it and had no problems really at all. And um, Tuesday morning I got up, and it wasn't hurting, so I didn't take any because I don't love medicine. So I took ibuprofen, and I took ibuprofen all Tuesday. I took ibuprofen Wednesday and took it twice on Thursday and twice yesterday. And Anyway, I've had no pain medicine since the day of the surgery, and I've had zero pain. I'm telling you, my mouth is full of stitches right now. I have no pain, no pain at all. And um, and that is the Lord. They told me that with this surgery what to expect as far as, you know, pain and so forth and soreness, extreme soreness. And, you know, just from what they said they're doing, it sounds like it could really hurt. But I thank God that uh, I have had no pain at all. And... um, that's the Lord. You go ahead. Thank God. That is the Lord. So, anyhow, and <laughs> my mouth might be looking a little funny here and there, but I'm going to preach this morning, okay? I'm going to go ahead and tell you. It is not going to stop me. <laughs> Don't get focused on how I look. Don't pay me any mind. You just listen to the Word, okay? All right. Can I have these lights right here and lose these? Let's pray before we get started. I have a word that's been on my heart for a few weeks that has just really been um, gaining in momentum inside my heart. And uh, it is a word for this hour right now. And it really lets me know that so many of the things he's been dealing with me about, talking to me about, that um, we are right on course with what he is saying We're in a season right now of preparation. It is a very strategic season. Don't take the word lightly in this season that we're in right now or the things that God's doing in us. And that would include Wednesdays as well. I feel very strategic, and I have been for a while now. You know, I've told you I feel like everything I've been saying lately seems, you know, intense or whatever. Well, it is. I'm called to raise up an army. And you can't raise up an army with sweet little flowery messages. You need to be stretched. You need to be challenged. Amen. There, there needs to be standards set that we go after. And the standard is none other than the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ and the Word of God that He's left us. And so, um, anyway, um, we're going to go after it today. I've never thought of myself as a political preacher. And don't get up and walk out like, oh, no, right now, you know, oh, dear. No, I've never thought of myself like that at all. But what I'm going to speak to you this morning may be the most political message I've ever given. I I mean, I don't know if you call it that or not. But it is the state of, of our church today and where we are at today and what must take place in the body of Christ. It has to take place in the body of Christ. And so, um, anyway... Stretch your hand toward me. Help our Lord. Help our Lord. Help our Lord. Cause the anointing to be rich and powerful and flow in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. I yield to the Holy Spirit. I'm not stupid enough to think that I can do this without the Holy Spirit. I know I need His help. 
The Ark of Shiloh, I mean the Ark of the God of God was at Shiloh for 300 years. And Israel lived, you stop and you think about it now, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God is resting there at Shiloh. For 300 years they had the presence of God with them. You stop and you think about that. And under Eli, who was a prophet and a priest, they had prospered, Israel prospered, they did well, they stayed protected. Okay, you got to follow along. But now Eli's old. And his sons, Hophni and Phineas are in sin. They've corrupted the altar. They've stolen the offerings. They've slept with women who come in to bring their offering to the Lord. They've gotten them drunk. And it is amazing to watch how two men, two men successfully brought down 300 years of living in the presence of God. How in the world could that happen? How in the world could two men successfully do this? To 300 years of glory in a nation. In this time of moral decline, you're seeing the lamp of the Lord is going out. You're seeing the time of people hearing the voice of the Lord. It's it's rare. The word of the Lord is rare. And so now we're in a place where Israel is about to go out to war against the Philistine army who have arrayed themselves against Israel. They have no idea that when they're about to go out that God has left them. They have no idea that the hand of the Lord had been removed from them. They had lost the value of God's commands and they're about to lose the most valuable thing they ever had and that was the presence of God. The very thing that was proof, you know, that they were a nation was that their God was with them. So if you would turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4. And let's start with verse 1. The word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in array, in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel were like, Oh my God, what has happened? Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us so that when it is among us, it will save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. 
Like, yay, we have the presence of God now. Oh, we're going to win. We're going to defeat this army. Now, when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, oh, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of God had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid. They said, oh, God has come into the camp. Woe to us for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hands of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Listen, they'd heard about Israel's God. They are horrified because... They've brought the ark of God. Now you stop and you think about it. They carry the ark of God. They've lost 4,000 people. They bring the ark of God. They've carried the ark of God out. They've, sh- they've, they've shouted so loud, the whole earth is shaking. you got to get the picture of this. They've, they're so excited because the ark of God is here. And they've shouted so loud, the earth is shaking. Listen, all the outward signs of a move of God were there. You need to hear this. All the outward signs were there. But there was no power because God wasn't there. It's scary. It's very scary. All the put on was there. Oh, the shout was just right. The dances were right. Everybody's in sync. They got the tambourines going. They got the flags waving. Everybody's got it going on. They're singing all the right songs. But there ain't no power. Do you hear me? There's no power. God wasn't there. God was not there. It reminded me of Samson. Little compromise here, little compromise there, little compromise here, little compromise there, and he wished not that the that the anointing had left. And he got up to do what he was familiar with doing, and there was no presence of God backing him. It reminded me of that. So now the Philistine army is horrified, but there is this one dude who's very, very has good perspective here. He's paying attention. And he said, wait a minute. Ho, 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 ho. Hold on just a minute. They're making good Jewish noise. They got a good song. They got a good dance. They got a good shout. The whole earth is shaking. But I'm looking in their eyes and there ain't no fire there. I'm looking at them. There ain't no passion there. They got a good talk. They got all the right ditties down, just down pat, you know? All the right moods. But there ain't no anointing there. Stand and fight. Stand and fight. And you know what happened? Look over at verse uh, 9. This is what the guy said. Be strong. Conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you don't become servants of the Hebrews as they've been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. Every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter. There fell of Israel 30,000 
soldiers. Also, the ark of God was captured. They killed 30,000 men and stole the ark of God from Israel. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Do you see this? Then a man of Benjamin ran from the uh, battle line the same day, came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside watching. Listen, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. Eli was concerned about the ark of God. He was concerned. When the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were so dim he couldn't see. The man came and said, I am he who came from the battle and I fled from the battle line. Eli says, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There's been a great slaughter among the people. Your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Listen to this. It wasn't, it, it wasn't that he wasn't upset over his two sons dying in the battle, but when what was said about the ark of God, when he heard that, Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died. It was when he heard about the ark of God. God's left us. That's it. The ark of the covenant is gone. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself, gave birth, for her labor pains came. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said, Do not fear, you've born a son. She didn't answer and didn't even regard it. She didn't even care. She'd just given birth. She didn't even care. She named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel. Because the ark of God had been captured. The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Israel had been a great nation. And with the compromise that was allowed to come in, they lost the presence of God. America was a great nation. We had the Ten Commandments on the walls of our courthouses and government buildings and schools. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. 72 million children, 72 million children prayed every day for this nation in our school. Every day. A really simple prayer, very simple prayer. They said, God, we ask your blessing on our leaders, on our parents, on our teachers, and on ourselves. Amen. Just a simple prayer. You wouldn't have thought that that was that big and powerful, yet apparently it was because Madeline Murray O'Hare, an atheist, successfully banned all prayer from school. And listen, she was known as the most hated woman in America. How did that happen? How in the world did those two boys 
and their sin bring down an entire nation. How did that happen? How in the world did one woman who was hated by America, the most hated woman in America, how did one woman do that? How did she do that? How in the world did this happen? I want to read you some of this that I have done some research on. I know reading is not fun for you, for me to read you stuff. I'll try to make it (laughs) as fun as I can for you. But you need to hear this stuff. You need to hear some facts on on what's happened. In June of 63, the Supreme Court upheld the argument of the atheist, Madeleine Murray O'Hare, and promulgated an edict with ramifications so widespread that it ensured God would be evicted from public society across the entire spectrum of American government system. She didn't just kick prayer out of school. It didn't just kick prayer out of school. You need to see what happened. From that day to this, not only has prayer been outlawed, God's very name has been declared anathema. Do you know what anathema means? Cursed. Accursed. The very name God has been declared accursed to the United States Constitution and forbidden to be mentioned in any federal, state, city, county, or municipal context. The Ten Commandments, not just prayer is forbidden in public forum. The display of the cross is forbidden. The Ten Commandments are forbidden. The Bible is forbidden. Nativity plays are forbidden. Even the mere mention of the names God or Jesus in schools are forbidden. More than that, anything even suggested of those names is forbidden. Now, I'm not making this up, okay? This This is true history. The government's decision hit like an earthquake when it was first delivered, kind of like when all that happened out there on the battlefield and they stole the ark of God. It was like, oh, no, what the heck just happened? It had been happening. The morality echoed by the decision was followed. Just as it is today, people claim to be Christian. Displays of the Ten Commandments, the parables, it used to be. Displays of Ten Commandments, parables, gospel quotations, Christian exhortations used to be displayed everywhere. There were prayers in public schools, public forums, uh, uh, all government affairs, Congress, public grammar schools conducted nativity plays. The morality was Judeo-Christian. Forgiveness was an essential principle in the land. Factors other than money drove the national mind. Imagine that. Businesses closed their doors on Good Friday. God and Jesus were in almost every aspect of the American society. Suddenly all of that was gone. It was purged from the American scene in one sudden ruling. That ruling was less a decision about school-sanctioned prayer than it was about the Constitution itself. Madam, I said Madam, (laughs) Madeline O'Hare is the figurehead of this decision decision because she led the cause. As an atheist, she filed her petition on the grounds of separation of church and state, evoking the Constitution's words, the reward went to atheism. 
There was no compromise, no blending of purposes, I mean, of past with future. The court agreed with her through and through God out of the public arena. Listen, I'm telling you, he did not lift his hand. We said, get out. There's a difference. We said, leave. For all intents and purposes, the U.S. ruled, the the court ruled the U.S. Constitution a godless document. The godly do not even have a place in it. The atheists not only have a place in it, they now own it. The realization of that horrifying thought left the nation aghast. Not only was there no place for God in the Constitution, the court ruled there never will be. Like a baby in a custody suit, the Constitution was brought into court with uh, a hair claiming it belonged to her instead of the godly parents that had been raising it the last 200 years. The court examined the writing, tested it, and in the end said, you're right, Madeline, God has no place in this document. So they stripped it out of the hands of God-fearing people who had been loving and nourishing it since 1776, handed it to O'Hare instead, the woman who hated God, and said, here, it's all yours. They handed it to its, the document to its new mother. The people of righteousness were dumbfounded in their grief. The court had taken the Constitution out of their hands and given it to the atheist. There was no compromise, no place here, ruled the court for two mothers. Immediately as proof of what had just happened, God was stripped from all aspects of the government. It was a national purge. The consequences were enormous. So was the purge. Out went Christmas, public decorations. The moral lessons, the writings, the Ten Commandments, the nativity plays, on and on and on. The word God had suddenly become anathema in the public forum like it was a communist called arms, you know. There were many subsequent decisions, but the court never wavered in its initial assessment. The purge was relentless. It was first in a series of decisions the Supreme Court issued deciding God's place in our system of government. They ruled that he has no place in our Constitution, therefore he should not be in our governmental society. They made God the forbid. God, God's name couldn't be mentioned, his son's name, nor his words could be commanded or seen or discussed, especially by the nation's children. Now, today, 40 years later, we see the corporate and media worlds joining together with the government to expand the purge. Have you seen that? Have you noticed? Have you noticed how the purge is even still today being expanded beyond and beyond and beyond. So deadly, listen at this, is the idea of God to our court that Karl Marx can be mentioned and Marx's words can be taught, but not Christ's. A lyric by John Lennon can hang in a courthouse, but not the Ten Commandments. You hear this? That's the truth. This is the truth. With heads spinning, the people have tried to comprehend what had happened. I'm trying to skip some things. When the World War II memorial was 
recently erected in Washington, D.C., a quotation by Franklin Delano Roosevelt was altered to purge his phrase, so help me God, from the plaque. The phrase that he made, they purged, so help me God, from the plaque. They took it out of what he said. Now, we'll take what he said, but we don't want that part. Thank you. Because of the Supreme Court's knee-jerk response to O'Hare, godlessness is now the nation's highest principle. You know, it's amazing to me, all the other religions that can be protected, but not Christianity. It's amazing. It's amazing. What are the consequences for spurning God? Does the separation between God and government remove the shield of grace that guarded our country since its inception? Listen to this. Five months after they expelled Jesus, the president, our president was assassinated. Five months later, our president was assassinated. Just months after that, Johnson plunged the U.S. into the Vietnam War where he ordered 400,000 troops to be sent into Vietnam to replace the 15,000 American advisors who were there when he had become president. The war he pushed lasted 10 years and killed, maimed, or wounded over 200,000 Americans. There was assassination, there was wars, there was earthquake, and there was tidal wave, and every bit of that had been prophesied. Exactly nine months after the the Supreme Court ruling, the final signs were delivered on Good Friday, the anniversary of the Lord's crucifixion. On that day, the U.S. suffered its worst earthquake and tidal wave recorded. It was a 9.2 that shattered Alaska and sent a massive tidal wave right down the Pacific coastline, wiping out cities there in California. That was all just a warning. There's great concern for America because of decisions that have been made. Our country has, we're in the most extreme moral decline than we even can stop and think about. We're so busy with our daily lives, we're not even realizing the, the mess that our country is in. The slaughter of unborn children. Do you realize that in 41 years, since 1973, there have been 55 million babies killed? Because I want to do my own thing. Because I don't want to take responsibility for what I did. Because I want to get an education. Because I want a better job. 55 million babies, innocent lives killed because we, you know, we put them on the altar so we could do what we wanted to do. Sin and corruption from the streets to the highest places of government. And you know, it's amazing to me because the people in the highest places of government, they ain't a whole lot they can do about what's going on out there on the streets. These kids can raise hell all they want. There ain't nothing you can do about it much because you're in just as bad a shape as they are. You know, I'm, I'm not saying you. I'm saying so many people in, in from business. Listen, business, in the church there's corruption. In the church there's corruption. 
in every area out there. And God didn't just remove his hand. We voted him out. In the middle of all of that, I do see hope for America. I do. But it's only in the church. It'll only be found in the church. You know, Rick Joyner had a, had a vision, a dream or an encounter. I'm not sure which it was. It doesn't matter. It was the Lord. And <clears throat> he said, I went into this building that was symbolic of America. And in this building, there were fires all over the place, little fires breaking out everywhere. And he said, and people would go over and stomp them out. But as soon as they'd stomp this one, there's another one. They'd stomp it, there's another one. Then there's five more. And then there's, it's just like nonstop, can't put out all these fires. And the Lord brought his attention to a hole in the floor of this building. And he said, I look there in the hole in the floor and the whole foundation is on fire. The whole thing's on fire. And the Lord said, all the little fires are coming because the whole foundation of America is on fire and about to collapse, just before collapse. And he said, there's only one person who has the fire hose for it, and that's the church. But she ain't got no power. She ain't got no power. She's got all the right dances. We got all the songs and the dances. We pray the right this and that, and we come together with our little stuff, and but there's no power. We got the good loud shout that might even shake the windows, you know. But there's no power. Now I'm not saying every Christian is in this kind of shape. Okay, I'm going to make very clear on that because there is a remnant that is growing, a growing remnant of of Christians who are after the Lord with all their heart because that's what it's going to take. But if you take the whole collective body of Christ and put them together, we're only as strong as our weakest link and we're not very strong. We ain't got no power against this kind of enemy. We don't. We're, We're not okay in America right now. That's why... God has raised up someone like Reinhard Bonnke and sent this, um, this man who's, who's a missionary to Africa, an evangelist to Africa, and said, I need you to go back to America and preach the gospel. That's why he's somebody like Heidi Baker, who's over there in Mozambique and in Africa, raised her up and brought her over here to give her a vision of, of what kind of shape America is in and what's going to have to take place in the church in America if we're going to make it. Someone like Mario Murillo that God has spoken to again. Back in the 60s, Jane Fonda led a protest with a thousand students at Berkeley. All in the name of free speech. 
and he was outside and could hear them cursing God and cursing America. He says, the most horrible noise. It was so loud. It was the most horrible noise I ever heard. That in the name of free speech that they could do that. And he said, I felt the Holy Ghost compelling me. Point your Bible toward that room, toward that ballroom where they're at. He said, and I pointed my Bible and I said, one day I will stand in that place and I will preach the gospel. One day I will stand in that place and I will lead young people to declare a shout that will rise above the shouts that I've heard here today that have cursed America and cursed my God. And sure enough, sure enough, sure enough, in 1976, there were 1,400 students that he stood in that ballroom and preached. And these kids full of the Holy Ghost, when he said, now shout, they let out a shout unto God that could be heard out on the streets where the people were out there, the radicals were out there. Rioting. It was so loud, they heard it above their rioting. Come on. Come on. The ones that are out there demonstrating. He said they heard what it was like to, they heard what it was like for 1400 young spirit filled men and women to give honor to God and to thank God for this country. But the Lord said this to Mario Murillo. He said, Mario, it's time for you to point your Bible again. But this time you've got to point it to Washington, D.C. Because all those young radicals who stood in the streets and demonstrated, they are now up in the highest forms of government in your United States of America. And they are ruling. And there is a specific strategy that has been given by the enemy to absolutely annihilate any form of God from this country. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? It's just beyond comprehension. You can't even picture what that would look like, that you would have people busting in your home because you have a Bible on your, in your living room. Or because you said the name of Jesus somewhere. You can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what that would be. I can't, God forbid anything like that happen. But that's the absolute plan of the enemy. To totally wipe out Christianity in this nation. You know, take out from our coins and from our money in God we trust. You know, just all the little subtle stuff. That ain't subtle. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Well, he just could have kept his mouth shut. I didn't have to take it out. See, it all started way back. 
Something got started back then, and it's been snowballing ever since. This isn't just happening today. How in the world did that happen back in 62 and 3 and 4? How in the world did that happen? Because the church wasn't doing anything. Kumbaya, my Lord. Mm. Come on. She's sitting back doing nothing but pretending like everything's hunky-dory. That case, sirrah, sirrah, you know. Oh, if it's the will of God, he'll do it. That irritates me <laughs> when he gave you authority, told you to stand and do something, you know. <clears throat> it thrilled me, though, when I found out that he had pointed his Bible once again. This time he's pointed it at Washington, D.C. and said, I declare before the Lord, I make a prophetic decree once again like I did before. There will be, y'all hear me, there will be a generation to arise. There will be a generation to arise who have no compromise in them who aren't sleeping with the world, who love God with all their heart, they got fire in their eyes and passion in their heart, and they'll lay down their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be a remnant arise, and I pray it will be a growing remnant. Amen. He said, I declare millions of young people from city to city to rise up and completely give their lives to the Lord. Then last September, the Lord talked to me about a great awakening in America. But first, the condition of the church had to change. Before we're going to see God do anything in this nation, the church has got to wake up. She's got to get up and get out, wake up out of her slumber. Amen. There's complacency. There's compromise. You know what complacency is? It's when you're just satisfied with how things are. Just, well, I'm satisfied. You better not be satisfied. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Don't ever sit back. One of the words for complacency is satisfied. One of them just really has to do with sitting on the butt, doing nothing, just sitting there. It actually says sitting, just sitting, doing nothing. Compromise. You know, compromise leads to deception. A little compromise here, a little compromise there, and the next thing you know, you're deceived. Compromise is a doorway to deception. When I, that's why compromise is scary. It's scary. It doesn't look like a big deal, but it is, because the next thing you know, you're deceived. And you know what? When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. That's the bad thing about deception. You have no clue you're deceived. You think you're okay. 
You're so not okay. And you think you're all right, but you're deceived. You think everything's hunky-dory, and it's not. It's not at all. Divisions. Oh, my God. Divisions all in the body of Christ. The enemy just pitting one against another and one against another and just keeping a continual state of division so that the body can't move together in power because of division. And it's all over the place from this to this. Just keep you divided against your neighbor. Keep you divided against your neighbor. And sin, mm. hidden motives, hidden agendas, hidden sin. Remember, the, you need to listen to the Word. I don't think you can. I think it was messed up. I'll just have to preach it again, I suppose. Well, a few Wednesday nights ago, and I'm not going to preach it again this morning, But it was hidden sin. It was hidden sin in the church. It seemed to be justified. It seemed to be justified because of what the person had done. It seemed to be justifiable to come against them. Yet there was a hiding of it. And I asked the Lord, well, if, if there was such justification, then how come they had to hide He said, it's hidden sin, hidden away in the heart, stuff inside, anger and unresolved offenses from years ago. We make fun of the Hatfields and McCoys. Oh, my garden seed. They're very much alive. They live in the church. Yeah. Stuff that happened way back. Divisions and offenses and, and unresolved stuff, anger that's just sat there and stewed and stewed and stewed and its own nasty juices and it's deadly. I believe there's about to be a great awakening over America, but I believe that there has to be a cleansing in the church. There has to be. I know it. I know it in my heart. I know it in my heart. It's what he said to Maria. It's what he said to Heidi Baker. It's what he said to me last September. It's what he said to other pastors. I'm not the only one. It's what he said to uh, uh, Ronald Bonke. It's what he said to, to many great leaders that I trust so much. Rick Joyner. That there has to be a cleansing and it has to start in the house of the Lord. We've got to put our hearts before the Lord and say, expose my heart, Lord. Expose what's really in me. I think that I'm good. I think I am. I don't think I'm in sin anywhere. And about the time I think that, I realize there's a hidden agenda in there somewhere or a a wrong motive in there somewhere. Listen, you want to be cleansed from all of it. And look, this is something I want us to come to the point of. This is what I want to see over Church on the Rock. I just declare this over us. That we are a people who love the cleansing and the purging and the purifying of the Lord. Why is it always me? Oh, shut up. Get clean. 
don't know any other way to say it. Stop the whining. Start to embrace the purifying process of the Lord. Oh, it's so hard. It's worse if you don't. Dear God, you want the junk out. My thing is get it out. (laughs) I don't want it in there. I don't want any pure hidden motives and intents of my heart that are ugly before God. I don't want anything in me that is offensive to Him. Amen. I preached on that too. I don't want stuff in me that could be offensive to the Lord. Ways of thinking, patterns of thinking, ways of responding, attitudes, angers. How about attitudes? Dear Lord, must we go there? Let's don't. Let's just let him deal with it, huh? Lord, do it over all of us. We've got to be able to stand and pray as a body of Christ and ask God to forgive America for such a horrendous sin. We've got to be able to do this. I don't want to be like Israel where we're trying to stand for America and we have no power. Because the Lord, we wist not that God had left. And we were shocked. What? When did he leave? While you were playing, church. Some real stuff was going down. Some real stuff was going down. The biggest thing right now in this season of preparation, I don't even know what time it is. The biggest thing in this season of preparation is for us not only to open our hearts and let and just become transparent before the Lord, He sees it all anyway. Just become totally transparent before the Lord where there's no hidden stuff in there. And I'm not trying to excuse anything. I'm not trying to uh, justify anything. But my heart is just open before the Lord. In this season, there's not only that, but there's also a place of pursuing Him, seeking first the King and His kingdom like I never have before. There are some catastrophic things about to happen in America. And right, I'm not saying that to cause fear. That's not to cause fear in you. You have no reason to be afraid if you're pursuing the Lord. If you're not pursuing the Lord, you're going to get caught up in the same chaos that the world's in. If you're pursuing the Lord, you'll be fine because your attention, your focus will be on Him and you'll know what He's doing and where He's at and what's going on. You don't have to be afraid. It'll be our, it'll be the church's finest hour that we've talked about and hadn't seen yet. It'll be the church's finest hour, but there's going to have to be a place of seeking after Him. Seeking first the king, his kingdom, his way of doing and being right. Amen. And then, and just letting him do that work in our hearts. Let him do that work. You know, and about the time we think that we've got it down, you know, well, at least I don't have this going on me like my brother does. At least I don't have that going on in me like my sister does. I've seen how she acts. 
least I don't have that going on. I've learned to call out the golden, everyone. <laughs> Hello? I'm not making fun of that. I'm saying, be careful. Be careful. Because you just got in worse trouble than they're in. Called pride. Pride's very deceptive. And it goes right before a fall. Amen. There is a clarion call right now to the church to wake up. I'm going to... I don't even know how to close all of this. I feel like I have so much more still to say. Maybe it's because I didn't get to preach last week. I don't know. Romans thir- or Wednesday. Romans 13 verse 11 says, Do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. How many of you really believe the Lord's coming soon? Oh, you better believe it. You better really believe it and know it. It's coming. He's coming soon. This is not for fear. I have no agenda. I hate fear-filled messages. Like to scare, scare tactics. I do love the fear of the Lord. Scare tactics I don't like. I'm not trying to scare anyone. Not at all. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. We've got to wake up. We need to understand, know the time that we're in. It is amazing to me what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, y'all can read the weather patterns and you ain't got a clue what's going on in the kingdom. How many of y'all can tell me the report for the weather this week? (laughs) We can tell you what's going on today. We can tell you when the storm's coming, about what time it'll hit. We can predict the forecast of what's about to take place and have no clue spiritually the climate in the kingdom of heaven and in the kingdom of this world and what's really going on. That's why we're going, Kumbaya, my Lord. Because we have no idea what's going on. I know y'all think I'm goofy as I'll get out, but you get my point, don't you? I'm kind of an expressive person anyway, in case you hadn't learned by now. We've got to get to a point where we say, Lord, examine my heart and keep my heart before you. I keep it before you forevermore. Cleanse me of impurity. Impurity is mixture. A pure heart is an unmixed heart. We've got to get the mixture out. And that's what purity is. Pure, pure means unmixed. We got to get the mixtures out so that we can pray for the church. And we can pray for the church in America to awaken and arise. Amen. See, in the middle of catastrophe that is coming, it is coming. You know, I just don't receive that. Oh, dear God, don't make me go there. 
<laughs> stuff's coming, okay? <laughs> stuff's coming. We've already had all kinds of stuff going on, okay? I'm not trying to s- declare all this bad stuff. I'm just telling you the facts are stuff's coming. And when it comes, I want you ready. And I want you to be able to not only represent him in this world. I don't want you freaking out with the world. I want you to be able to represent him and lead them to him. You know? I want you to be able to to stand and withstand in an evil day. Amen. So... The only thing I know to do is just say, I'd have about let's have an altar call. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like the right thing to do? I'd say let's just have a full-on altar call. I'm talking serious. Full-on altar call. Where we just come up here in this altar and bear our hearts before the Lord. I can't do that for you. And I can't make you come up here. I'm not going to make you come up here. But just totally and completely... Surrender your heart before the Lord. Saying, Lord, examine my heart. I don't know how to check it. I think that I know what's going on in there, but I could deceive myself. And I want to. Check my heart, Lord. Attitudes. You know, when you're in public, do attitudes come out? They do in me. Okay, they do. Public, the public place can pull out attitudes. It can expose them. Don't look at me all pious like, well, they don't me. (laughs) You better stop it. I've heard your stories. (laughs) I've seen you in public. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Come on. Lord, cleanse my heart from, from impurities. The things that uh, don't dread the stuff that comes that pulls the stuff out. Welcome it. Because I, I can make a choice now and go free of this mess. I don't want this junk in my life. I don't, I don't want this in me. Don't, don't hate it. Welcome it. Welcome the cleansing of the Lord. Start to learn to love it and embrace it. The purifying of your heart. Purifying is getting mixture out. And how do, we, how do, how do you purify Fire. 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 Boy, to heat it up and purify, get the junk out. Amen. I love the story of the man, and some of y'all probably already know it, but I'm going to tell it again because it's a good story. The jeweler who someone had come into the store, and he's in the back, and he says, I can't come out right now. Because he was back there. The guy goes back there to see what he's doing. The bottom line, he's back there and he has gold on the fire. He has gold on the fire. And he said, I have to stay with it and stir it and and watch it because the impurities all in the heat, the impurities will all come to the surface. Once I can skim out all the impurities, it's pure gold. He said, how do you know when you're through with the process? How do you know when it's pure? He said, when I can see myself in it. When I can see myself in it. That's how the Lord is with us. Amen. I don't 
I do hope this was not a damning message. So I have no, no agenda there. It's a wake-up message. It's a let's let him do it. Let's let him get our hearts on fire for him. Amen? Let's let him do it. Come on, the altar's open. Come on. Let's take a few minutes. Don't rush out. Let's take a few minutes. And once we've had a few minutes before the Lord for Him to do something in your heart and your life, then I want you to do this. I want you to let's stand together and let's pray for America. If you love America, I want to let's stand together and let's pray for America. Amen. Amen. Uh, when she's talking, you know, the evangelist can't help but, you know, see what she's talking about. It stirs up the evangelist. But uh, God was talking to me before she even got up about, said there's some of you in here that's, that's spiraling out of control. He said you took, you took one wrong turn. And now you got so far off track, you don't even know how to get back on track no more. And you know who you are. God's, God's, he's jerking your chain right now. But he's saying today with all these other people up here, he said, today I'm telling you, I know who you are. And today is your chance to get back on track. He said, you took a wrong exit. He said, but your GPS just spoke to you today and said, turn around, recalculating. Recalculating. You've been going wrong all this time. You've been listening to the wrong direction. He said, but today, he said, I spoke up and said, it's time to recalculate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, and she was, as she was talking about, and I want you to come on up now. If, you, if, if I'm talking to you, I want you to come on up now. But it, all these ones that are up here now, he's, as she was talking, I, I just kept seeing the picture of something spiraling out of control. And our nation, our government is spiraling out of control. Wars. I mean, I, I said to myself the other day, I said, how... How can we keep pouring millions and millions and millions and millions and billions of dollars into these wars and and then rescuing these people that are over there, the Ebola that's going on? How, so how can America keep doing all that it's doing when we, we don't even have jobs for our own people? So how can we keep doing that? And if you go if you go thinking about those things, you can get you can fear can set in. And then God showed me the, the picture of a, a mountain climber that had slipped. And he said, it's time to take the spiritual pickaxe and say, wham, and hit it into the side of the mountain. He said, because that's the only thing that's going to keep you from falling off. And he said, you're going to have to, you're spiraling so far out of control, he said, you're going to have to do something radical to get it back under control. It's going to take a radical move to bring it back under control. And you know what that radical move is called? Repentance. A complete turnaround.
So today is a, today is a call, and I'm, I'm talking to myself also. Today is a call for repentance. Oh, God, forgive us. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. Yes. Yes. And you're saying, and the, and the devil can say to you, you know, oh, it can't happen to America. How fast did it happen when they took prayer and stuff out of school? Were we looking for it? Did anybody even see it coming? No. Nobody saw it. God can, can, can be, like she's talking about, completely annihilated from the United States. It can happen. They could come into your house and arrest you for praying. Because good people did nothing. That's right. That's right. God forgive us. Yeah. <laughs> forgive us, God. Father, we ask you to search our hearts. And we ask you to keep that search on over our hearts. Not just today, but each day. We keep our heart open before you to cleanse and purify and we welcome the purging of the Lord. We are a people who welcome the purifying of our God. We welcome your hand in our life to cleanse and purify. We want to be a people whose heart is pure before you. We do. We want our hearts pure before you, God. We want our hearts holy and set apart before our God. We want to be that pure, glorious bride who is without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That's who we want to be, God. So we say, Lord, do it in us. We keep our hearts before you. Forgive us of judgmental attitudes towards others. Forgive us for judging other denominations. Forgive us for judging other Christians. Forgive us for looking at them and being prideful in our own self-righteousness. Forgive us, Lord, for judging those in the workplace that we have no clue what they're even dealing with at home. Forgive us, Lord, for being judgmental and critical of others. Forgive us for having pride, for priding ourselves in our okayness. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Now I want you to stand together. And I want to, let's pray for America. I want you to gather around here and just join arms together as the body of Christ. And let's pray for America. Let's pray for America. This really is a wonderful country. It really, really, really is. I cannot imagine in my wildest dreams the people who protested against the guys who were fighting for us. That put their lives and lost 200,000 people who were out there fighting and yet they were at home cursing them. And when they had laid their lives on the line for our own freedom and our own protection... I I could not even imagine such a thing. God, forgive us. 
We stand today, Lord, as the church in America, asking you to forgive us for complacency, forgive us for compromise, forgive us for division, forgive us for spiritual laziness, forgive us for sins and hidden sins of the heart, hidden motives, hidden intentions and agendas. We ask you to forgive us for pride. Oh, God, forgive us for pride. Forgive us for sleeping with the world. And this day in the name of Jesus, we ask you to wash us and cleanse us by the precious blood of the Lamb. Wash. Oh, 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 I see. I do. Dear God, I see blood coming. Oh, dear God. Oh, Jesus. Oh. I didn't expect to see that. Dear Jesus, thank you for your blood. God, we ask that you would wash over and cleanse the church in America. Cleanse us from every impurity. May we be a body of people who rise up, who are awake and alive unto our God, who are in love with him. And are full of his love. Who speak truth. And aren't afraid to speak truth. We do it in love and we do it because of love. We do it because of love. And Father, right now. We ask you to restore the United States of America. Let our government be of the people, by the people, for the people. May we once again live by the Constitution. May the church arise and fill every hall of justice, every place of government, every school, every place of learning, from elementary to college, every workplace. May every workplace be filled with Christians who stand, believe your word. Restore to us one nation under God. We ask you to restore it, God. Look at the flag and just watch the blood of Jesus just begin to go right down over it. Just, you'll see, just begin. His blood was shed for thee. <laughs> His blood was shed for thee. Oh, for America. <laughs> His blood was shed for America. God, we want to be 
We are, we are, we are that remnant, that growing remnant that's crying out to God. Do it in America, Lord. Do it in America, Lord. Awaken America, God. But do it in us. Do it in us. Do it in us. Do it in us. And you know, it's a really prophetic thing that's taken place here today before we begin this right downtown Goldsboro. <laughs> it's a very prophetic thing that's happening in here this morning. The timing is perfect. The timing is perfect. It's perfect for what's about to take place over Goldsboro. Let's not go home and get back in the easy chair. Let's not go home and get back in the easy chair. Let's not go home and go back to just business as usual. Amen? Let's let today have marked our hearts and our lives. Let's let it have really marked us. There is demarcation, if that's a word. (laughs) Demarcation is taking place today. Amen? Amen. God's marking us this morning. He's marking us this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Heal our nation, Lord. Heal our land. You said if my people who are called by my name would repent, would repent, that if we'd come before him and repent, and we've, we've repented for America. We ask you to forgive us, God, for kicking you out and doing nothing. We ask you to forgive our forefathers, the church before us, who, who sat back and did nothing. We ask you to forgive us. We repent of that. We say we will not sit back. We will not. We will not. Amen. Anybody need healing in your body? Right now is a good time to get it. Just come right on up here, right here, and get healed. Go ahead. I'm telling you, come on up here and get healed. Experience the healing of the Lord right now. Right there it is. Right there it is. Come on. Come on, right here. If you need healing, come right here. Just stand right here if you need healing in your body. If you need healing in your body. I thank you for a wave of healing right now over the house. I thank you for a wave of healing over every one of these right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for healing bodies. Thank you, Lord, for healing bodies and strengthening bodies. Thank you, Lord, for healing bodies. Thank you, Lord. You sent your word and healed us and delivered us from all of our destructions. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Does anybody need prayer for anything else? Anybody? All right. Don't neglect the words that he's giving us on Wednesdays and Sundays. If you cannot be here, we are online. Don't miss what God is doing. Each word is strategically preparing us for what God is doing in us and in our lives and preparing us as a body. Amen. 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 
If I've ever known it, I know it. I know that I know that I know it's the truth. I know it in my heart. I've been telling these pastors this for weeks. Keep your heart open before the Lord. God's giving very strategic words right now to prepare the body of Christ. And this fall is our season. It's our season. Embrace it. It's a good season. Amen? Embrace it. It's a wonderful season. (sighs) Well, love on each other. A whole bunch.